Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one-stop shop for all things NFL, college football, and NFL draft. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman here on this Monday. No, Friday. I, I keep losing track of the days. This has been a consistent issue for us. But happy Friday to everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. You know, some great college football yesterday, if you were able to watch it. Some great college football this weekend. But first and foremost, before we dive in, Nick, how are you doing? Michael, I'm doing well. I'm actually uh, about three hours away from being at the pizza eating contest this evening. So um, just trying to get my mind and stomach right for that. Hopefully I'll win. Try to update the viewers on Monday. Uh, listen, it's, it's good. We got some football coming up next week. The first game on Thursday. I spoke to Michelle Tafoya this morning from my You Know I'm Right podcast and you know, she's ready to go, and hopefully things get back to normal a little more uh, as far as the way we are watching the game compared to last year because at times it was tough without the fans, so we'll see what kind of impact the fans have. And, well, I guess we'll just start with the big news for the week, Michael, which was that your Patriots cut loose Cam Newton and the Mac Jones era is going to start week one. Yeah, it's actually very surprising to me. I didn't expect that to happen at all. A lot of people didn't expect that to happen. Uh, hadn't heard a single rumor of it, and it just seems to be what the Patriots are going with. They want to ride out the young QB, and I think there's some benefit to it. I think getting the young quarterback in there situated and riding with the rookie is absolutely huge, and it can help sort of establish his career earlier on so then – when he is the you know full-time starter and hopefully at his peak play, there's no experience that comes into it. So if the Patriots can compete a little bit, they probably aren't as much of a contender this year, uh, then it's definitely going to be beneficial for them, and we can see some definite benefits from it. Yeah, and well, you know, we get more into the side of the Patriots and stuff, but Cam Newton, what do you think? Does anybody sign him? I think, he, I think he's going to stay unsigned for now. Until we see some sort of an injury, then maybe he'll go in because it's tough when you're a farm, be paid to swallow your pride and say, all right, 
Miles signed to be a backup. So what do you think is next for Cam Newton? Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see Cam Newton um, in a weird situation. He doesn't want to be the backup quarterback for whatever team he plays for. And with that is going to come some interesting situations to where he's probably not getting guaranteed a starting job, at least not a long-term one. Maybe he lands somewhere, but right now, with it being the start of the regular season, it just seems unlikely that he's going to be a starter anywhere. And as a result, we could very likely not see him play for anyone this year if he doesn't want to accept a backup role. There's only one team that really comes to mind that you say they need a quarterback. That's the Texans. But the Texans, they're kind of in tank mode. So why would they want to bring in Newton? Um, you know, Go with Tyrod Taylor. He, he's... He's a solid veteran, and maybe you want to see what you got in Davis Mills. Um, you know, they're we both agree they're going to be picking a QB next year, but everywhere else, <clears throat> there's nowhere else that you could say, "Oh, Cam, come in." You know, we're guaranteed you'll you'll be a starter in the next four weeks. Uh, Ron Rivera said that the Washington football team uh, looked at it, but they said Ryan Fitzpatrick's dead quarterback, so there will not be a Cam Newton Ron Rivera reunion once again. Yeah, and I think with the circumstances that happened over the offseason where a lot of teams got their QBs, um, it makes it harder. So maybe if Washington went into the offseason without the QB spot filled, then they would have been more adamant on trying to bring in a guy like Cam Newton. But they got Fitzpatrick, they spent money on him, and really Fitzpatrick and Cam Newton are kind of similar in a vacuum, and I think that's the issue. While there's probably not 32 starting QBs better than Cam Newton – I don't know if Cam Newton is a big enough jump over 32 QBs to where he's worth bringing in, worth having as your starter with such little experience in the system. And that's where the issue comes in on, is it really worth bringing him in for the season when we got to get going this Sunday? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Now to the Patriots side of things a little more, obviously if you're a Patriots fan, you're used to being in the Super Bowl and winning it every year. What is your expectations for this season out of Mac Jones? And what would you deem a successful season for Mac Jones? Yeah, so when you have a rookie quarterback, the expectation between team success and the rookie QB just kind of proving himself sort of varies a lot. You know, the team doesn't necessarily have to be this dominant, great franchise this year, but you want to see promising play out of Mac Jones. There's going to be rookie mistakes. There's going to be some games that, you know, we'll have some people saying, oh, Mac Jones is the worst QB in the NFL and he's he's doomed and he's going to ruin the Patriots. And then there's going to be some games where people are saying, wow, I can't believe Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback taken in this class. He's the best one. Ultimately, you know, he he's going to be a solid QB, in my opinion. I think he's going to be someone that kind of gets the job done. Maybe doesn't ever elevate you over the top, but really is a safe play. And I think for the Patriots, especially with the way Bill Belichick has really invested in the rest of the roster, that's kind of what he's going for. If you can fill out the rest of this roster with talent, which I think the Patriots have done, then, you know, you have a chance to contend. And I don't think they're contending this year. No rookie quarterback has ever won the Super Bowl, so it makes it, you know, a very difficult task. And I don't think Mac Jones is going to be the one that breaks that trend. But I do think that, you know, you kind of want to see playoffs this year. And it's probably a low playoff team, 7-6 seed. But if they're able to sneak in, I think that'd be a very promising sign for the future. If not, you know, just getting it down to the wire for how close they did come, I think is probably my realistic expectation. 
I'm not fully sold on us making playoffs despite maybe having one of the more well-rounded rosters in the NFL. And uh, as long as we're top 10 team in the AFC, I think I'll be all right as long as there's promising play to go along with it. Yeah, I think uh, you know the Patriots, they'll probably be in, in there fighting for the second wild card. I think the Bills are going to win the division. But, I mean, it's tough. When you look at the wild card, um, there's going to be four or five good teams there battling it out for those spots. Uh, we could probably assume the Dolphins will be in the mix at some point. Uh, maybe the Colts get in the mix. Maybe the Chargers are in the mix. The Raiders. Um, the Ravens are going to be in the mix. The Steelers. So that's a lot of teams there. Uh, AFC is really deep as far as that, that middle tier for the wild card. So it's going to be interesting to see there. I think the defense is going to be big for the Patriots this year. Um, and I think for the beginning of the season, we'll see game manager Mac Jones. He's not going to beat you, um, but he's going to, he's not going to cost his team a game either. So um, that's kind of what the strategy is going to be. <clears throat> a lot of, quick passes to the tight ends, rotating the running backs in and out, and they'll just kind of take it from there, let him progress. What the other news this week is that the Saints game was moved to Jacksonville. They're taking on the, the Packers. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Michael, but apparently the Packers uh, looked at Aaron Rodgers' record in Florida and saw it was uh, – of the options they had the worst. So they decided we're going to win the game to Jacksonville and they looked into flight prices. Uh, and so that the flights to Jacksonville from green Bay were more money. Um, again, it's supposed to be a home game for the saints. So I think they have a very right to do that and try to get any advantage they can. Um, but what does this say about, you know, the greatness that is the, the MVP from last year and Rogers, that they're trying to plan the stadium all around where they think he'd do the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly what you want to do. You want to have any advantage you can. And while Aaron Rodgers probably isn't saying, oh, it's Florida, now I'm going to be worse, it is just something to look at. And for the Saints, you can't blame at all. Any way to slow down Aaron Rodgers is a good way. And if for some reason this has some impact on the game, then props to the Saints. Absolutely. Other quarterback news is that Carson Wentz is activated uh, from the COVID list. Michael, the guy has practiced three games, uh, three three days so far for the Colts. They're not practicing again until Tuesday. I don't know what to expect from this team uh, early on in the season. And you know, they're starting off right out at the Seahawks. If I was in a survivor pool, I'd probably pick the Seahawks to win that game. Uh, it's just going to be tough out the gate for for the Colts. They really haven't had their guys healthy enough or we're all on the field together. What are your expectations for the Colts early on this season? Yeah, I think we're going to see some issues with all the injuries that have been going on. And in result, you know, maybe we see some shaky play. But at the same time, I do think that Carson Wentz is going to come out with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And a little bit of a chip is all you need to really get things going. And maybe we'll see some successful stuff. And possibly it's a uh, limited playbook just to kind of set him up for success, try to keep it as simple as possible. But if the if the Colts and Frank Wright can do that successfully, then, you know, maybe maybe the Colts can kind of surprise some people early on. Absolutely. Another team, as far as quarterback stuff that we're keeping an eye on, it would be the 49ers and 
it's clear Garoppolo is going to start the season. I think that's the way to go. That's a good message being sent to the locker room that you're a win-now team. You want to try to really go for it right out of the gate here. But uh, it's the weird thing is, though, that Shanahan's not naming him the starting quarterback. Uh, so they're kind of just trying to go into week one, having their opponent game plan for both quarterbacks. What do you think of that strategy? Very college football-like. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a small, tiny benefit to the idea that if you don't name a starting QB, then the other defense has to spread themselves thin trying to plan for both. But I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be the starter. I think that the 49ers are not really doing themselves huge favors by not naming a starter, but you know, every coach has their process, their pattern and their own superstition. So whatever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We shall see. Uh, something I saw today and I was like, this guy's really still in the league. Uh, the Raiders signed Peyton Barber. I feel like this guy was playing for the Cowboys 12 years ago. He's going to be on their roster as a running back. But it seems like the Raiders, they're, they're signing people, and they're cutting them, signing them back. And now it seems like they're having a lot of cap issues here. I thought they were going in the right direction. Uh, I thought last year they had a chance to be a playoff team. Where do you, where do you see the Raiders as far as like a, a tier here? That's where they might finish the ASA. Are they in like the 7 to 10 range? Yeah, I think they're in that range for me. I think that there's some promising signs for them. I think the wide receiver group is going to be a lot stronger this year, even with cutting John Brown. I think Henry Ruggs is in for a better season. Hunter Renfro, one of the more underrated slot options out there. And then I think the defense should be improved a little bit with adding some nice pieces like Casey Hayward. K.J. Wright just recently signed. I think that could be a benefit for both teams, but or both sides of the ball. But ultimately, I still think there's a lot of question marks surrounding this team. I think the offensive line issues are going to be a little bit overblown, honestly, because I think Tom Cable has done a phenomenal job there. But for Las Vegas, you know, there's still so many issues in terms of defense that I'm not 100% sold on them being a legitimate contender this year. Yep. Uh, other stuff to note is that injury-wise, the Giants aren't saying anything, but seems like Barkley's going to be ready to go week one. And the Cowboys, they kind of are saying it, but we already kind of knew this already. The Prescott will be ready to go week one. Uh, obviously, we lost two of them, both of them last year in injury, as well as McCaffrey quite a bit uh, through the injuries. Do you think – and maybe it's different because Prescott's the QB, but do you think their offensive coordinators are going to kind of scheme early on to – kind of let them get their, their wind under their wings before letting them, you know, handle the majority of the stuff. I could see it in a sense, you know, maybe Barkley gets a few limited snaps and they try to hold him back a little bit, but at the same time, these are your star players and I feel like you got to use them, especially Dak. I think he's going to get every snap at the QB position, but you know, I think they'll try to keep Barkley fresh, try to keep him healthy and, you know, maybe say, look, if you're tired at all, let us know and we're going to we're gonna try to get you out because, most importantly, we want you when we're competing for games for a chance at playoffs. And, you know, you may scoff at the idea of the Giants making playoffs, but for the Giants themselves, that's their mindset. So I think that in their mind, they want Barkley long-term. They want Barkley, 
late season. And so if they have to hold them back a little bit week one, week two, then it makes perfect sense. The only given I think in the NFC East this year is the Eagles will be the worst team. I think the other three teams have a legitimate chance to win the division. None of them have a chance to win the wild card. And I think, you know, the NFC East, I think the last time a team repeat as champs, division champs was 2002 or three, the Eagles. So probably going to break down to Cowboys versus Giants. You know, even if the Cowboys have a losing streak, they'll somehow figure out a way to make it interesting in December. Um, but let's hope Tom Brady and then Rob Gronkowski and the Buccaneers could at least uh, set them back right away, give the, the Cowboys a nice loss. Now, to college football, we you know we had some things starting off this past two days. Obviously, there was week zero last week, but I got to give you credit. Right at the end of our show last week, you mentioned uh, Joe Milton going to Tennessee and the Volunteers – I would say destroy Bowling Green 38-6, but Milton, he's shown he could pass, 11 for 23, 140 yards, touchdown. Uh, but then he's running all over, 14 carries for 44 yards and two touchdowns. What did you, what do you like out of Milton as a potential prospect moving forward? Yeah, Milton is still very raw, and I think even in this game, he kind of showed that there's still a lot of work to do. But he has the arm talent, he has the frame, and he has the athleticism to where if he ever does, you know, kind of – figure it all out, put it all together, then this could be someone that we're talking about as a very special prospect. You know, a lot of people like to dismiss players because maybe they don't find success early, but we've seen countless transfer quarterbacks maybe not find success right away and then become these star QBs and then really set themselves up to be top picks and do well in the NFL. Now, is Milton going to do that? Who knows? The biggest concern about listing out all these, you know, tools, QBs, and prospects that have everything but the polish is a lot of them just go unpolished for the rest of their career and never become anything. Milton could very well be that type of guy, but he could also very easily figure it out and really get going and then become something special. And, you know, he has a cannon of an arm. He can zip the ball 40 yards with ease on a line. He can launch the ball even further if he's, you know, putting some arc on it. He can run around, break tackles extremely well. So keep an eye on Joe Milton as he kind of holds that Tennessee job. And if he holds on to it, if he starts to develop a little bit further, then we could have someone very enticing on our hands whenever his name is in draft topics. Absolutely. The biggest upset yesterday would have to be UCF beating Boise State. You know, this game was in Florida, uh, but Boise State was favored. And... I was I don't know I didn't know much about this guy, but I was impressed by UCF's running back uh, Isaiah Bowser carried the ball 33 times, 172 yards, and overall you know they were just very consistent offensively. Uh, Jalen Robinson had a big game, six receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown for them as well. Uh, I think the story more here is Boise State is not going to be as good this year as they typically are. Uh, but maybe UCF is uh, returning to their, their form from a few years ago. Yeah, I think UCF has a lot of promise. Dylan Gabriel is a very enjoyable college quarterback. Isaiah Bowser obviously put on a show for the season opener there for the Golden Knights. And, you know, they have some interesting pieces on the defense to where UCF could be legit. And Malzahn, I think, is definitely going to take this coaching job very seriously because it's kind of the – 
next it's that chip on the shoulder after you get fired from that big job you know can you kind of put it all together and malzahn's had success even as big job at auburn so now at ucf i think he's going to come in with a lot of momentum and a lot of uh revenge on his mind and you know i want to real quick just pull up these comments real quick ricklington a favorite of last year of rick's back conference. he's ready to go back and ready to go ucf is scary good and yeah i think I think they're going to be a very dangerous team in the American Athletic Conference, and we could see them make some noise, even by potentially upsetting some of the better teams ranked right now. You know, maybe maybe they can go in and create some chaos for Cincinnati, who is largely viewed as one of the best G5 teams out there. Certainly. Uh, speaking of other team, good teams in, in there, Coastal Carolina, they're still good, Michael. Uh, they have a good shot, I think, to once again go undefeated in the regular season. 52-14, they're using three different quarterbacks, uh, very creative attacks there, Multi- multiple receivers with two touchdowns each, uh, or excuse me, multiple running backs with two touchdowns each. They ran for five touchdowns overall. This team, I mean, when, when do you think they actually start getting some serious credit? Uh, do they have to go undefeated again this season, or, or what, what do they have to do? Yeah, I think an undefeated season is definitely what has to happen if they want to be considered one of the top dogs in college football. And they'll have their work cut out for them. You know, Appalachian State, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they are in a conference that has some tough teams. And if Coastal Carolina can go through and be undefeated again, then we could really see them be considered as one of the top teams in college football. Will they ever get considered for this four-team playoff format? Probably not. But we could very easily see them make it to a major bowl game if they're the top G5 team, and I think they definitely have a case for it. Yeah, you mentioned App State. They win 33-19. App State is just like, the way they run this program is incredible. To go from, you know, D2 up to, not D2 now, I don't know what they call it. That's what they call it then. Um, you know, we FCA yet. Um, but they beat Michigan, of course. They sparked them in, and they're, they're a legit program now. Um NC State shuts out South Florida. South Florida really not that great, but a good way for NC State to start the season. I don't really get to buy too much into, you know, in this game. I think South Florida is really bad, but impressive nonetheless. Uh, Zonovan Knight had a great game rushing. uh, Ricky Pearson Jr., each of them rushed rushed 16 times for over 100 yards, multiple touchdowns. Uh, on the ground for them, uh, and then you know, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, the big boys in a moment. But um, I should also point out that uh, Ball State beat Western Illinois in a game that was was closer than expected, and overall, it was just pretty pretty wild uh, night of college football. Um, UC Davis upset Tulsa 19-17. It's not going to sit well with, with the Tulsa brass. Uh, but then, you know, we get to the games we were looking for. And Utah, I think, you know, they're going to be very good, Michael, this season. We, we both picked UCLA, but I think we both agree Utah's probably going to be right there with them. Uh, anybody for Utah really stand out to you to keep an eye on this season? Um. Not particularly. I haven't done a lot of watching for them. I, I really like Devin Lloyd, their linebacker on the defensive side of things. I think he's going to be someone that should be talked about a lot in this draft process as a day two guy. But overall, I think uh, Utah's rather young. 
Uh, they have some other pieces. Charlie Brewer, obviously from Baylor, has some attention. Uh, Brent Queeth, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, he's kind of like an H-back type that's going to get some fullback tight end looks. And, you know, there's some there's some other pieces as well, but haven't done a deep dive on the Utes. All right, sticking with the Pac-12, uh, Arizona State, there's a lot of controversy surrounding them. You know, I like Arizona State, I like their coaching staff. Uh, they beat Southern Utah. Southern Utah is now the, officially the first team with two losses in college football. So kudos to them. I wish, I'm sure they didn't wish to mad at them. But if I told you, Michael, Arizona State was going to put up 41 points and not have one passing touchdown, <laughs> what would you have said? Because I think Jaden Daniels is their best player, um, obviously quarterback, but they were just rushing heavy. And I think they had seven people attempt rushes, uh, which is pretty wild. So what do you what do you think about Arizona State's offensive attack? Yeah, I mean Jaden Daniels is obviously the guy that they're going to go to whenever the game's on the line. But they have a very strong rushing attack as well. Rashad White is one of my favorite, more underrated running backs in college football, and I think he's a guy that's going to get some attention. Um, it's hard to really figure out and gauge the overall draft stock of some of these running backs just because there's a lot of talent out there. But at the same time, not all of them are going to be able to go in that round two, round three, round four range. So it's going to really kind of be one of those, you know, who declares, who actually gets the attention of the scouts. And, you know, Rashad White, I think, is going to be someone in that conversation when he gets a full season, a full 12 games. And, you know, I think he's going to be a big part of the Sun Devils' offensive success this year, especially with the uh, streak of lost wide receivers that they've had. And losing Frank Darby last year was definitely a, a hit to the offense. No doubt about it. Now, Big Ten – Action kicking off right away. It's very rare that we got a conference game to start the season. But we got Minnesota hosting Ohio State. This is a tough pill to swallow for Minnesota who lost this game. They were probably expecting to lose other than the players in the locker room. But you go into halftime beating Ohio State 14-10. I know it's not much of a lead. Uh, but then Ohio State comes out and just outclasses them in the third quarter, puts up 21 points. And Ohio State goes on to win 45-31. Obviously, a lot of new players here for Ohio State as far as uh, you know, offense is concerned and defense because every year they just lose a lot of people to the draft. But your thoughts on this this roster for Ohio State? Yeah, I think Minnesota deserves the world of credit for how well they were able to compete in this game. Muhammad Abraham was obviously phenomenal until he got hurt. Uh, Daniel Falele looked very good at the offensive tackle spot. They, there are some pieces on Minnesota that we're going to be talking about when the draft comes closer. But for Ohio State, I think there's some issues that definitely need to be fixed. You know, the secondary is probably one of the weaker Ohio State secondaries than we've seen in a while. C.J. Stroud had a very strong first game for a first game, but, you know, you need to see definite progress in that regard. I think he's fine, and I'm not going to overreact to a single game because a lot of guys have those struggles in their first game. But, you know, it's definitely – uh a game that he should learn from and really kind of grow his game because if if he plays like that every week, then Ohio State's going to run into some tougher defenses that are going to give some issues. Um, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, they are absolute studs going to be all, all year long. Ohio State has about three running backs that can take it to the house anytime you give them the ball. The offensive line looked pretty good for the most part. There are some issues, but – out really 
impressive team, impressive defensive line that is going to be how they compete this year. If they do, you know, they're going to have to win in the trenches with a physical run game, an aggressive pass rush. But there's some issues that could be exposed, especially to a team like Oklahoma, where, you know, they are looking to attack this year, really have their best chance to do so and have a phenomenal downfield passing attack. Ohio State needs to be ready for teams like that. And right now, I didn't see that. I would agree there. Uh, we got a comment from Rick, essentially saying Ohio State's not great. They're good. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I think there's probably, you know, they're favored to win the Big Ten. They're probably going to win the Big Ten. But I think we're going to see a lot more close games this year than you have in years past when it comes to Ohio State. Yeah, I think, I think there's going to be a game where they slip, whether that's a Wisconsin where Graham Mertz maybe steps up or maybe a game like Iowa where they have this phenomenal run game and some strong pieces on the defense. Maybe a team like Purdue. You know, I, I've been very adamant on how much I love Jack Plummer there. And, you know, Brahm's done it before where he's upset Ohio State. And maybe it'll happen this year as well. But I think Ohio State's going to slip somewhere along the season. And it could come back to bite them whenever the uh, whenever the playoff gets announced. Yeah, I certainly do like Wisconsin's chances this year. Um, I think they have the best quarterback, in my opinion, at this point in the Big Ten. Michael, we have a ton of games tonight, uh, which starts off with UNC and Virginia Tech and some more ACC action, Duke, Charlotte, Wake Forest, Old Dominion. And then tomorrow we got – the full first Saturday of the year. I know you'll be up at 10 a.m. watching college game day, and you'll be watching football right through till about 1.30 in the morning when the Pac-12 wraps up. What are you looking forward to most this week? Oh, yeah. Obviously, you know, there's some great games that are going to be coming up this season or this weekend. I mean, you know, this season as well. But you know, if you are looking for a fun weekend of college football, then cancel all your plans. This is the weekend to just stay at home and enjoy it. You know, we start out this Friday with North Carolina versus Virginia Tech, and that's a great game, but it just gets better. And we're going to talk about three of the biggest games, and we'll even talk about a few more because it's tough to fit every great game. Yeah, and the fans are lucky because, well, not really, really, I mean – we get, you're going to hear us talk about Rutgers today because their game last night got postponed until Saturday, unfortunately due to the terrible flooding here in the Tri-State area from Hurricane Ida's remnants. So we'll get we'll get we'll get Michael's take on if there's any prospects to what keep an eye on for Rutgers, who had a really good recruiting class. But Michael, talk about some bigger name teams and, and who you're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. So the first game we're going to talk about is Iowa versus Indiana, and the players need to keep an eye on. Michael Penix Jr., a QB that really had his season cut short last year, a huge opportunity to start out week one with a major victory for the Indiana Hoosiers. Saw it last year, Indiana versus Penn State. Penn State was this hyped-up Big Ten team, and they fell to the Hoosiers in a massive upset in a dramatic, you know, just touchdown overtime performance. Michael Penix now comes back healthy with an Indiana team that I think isn't slept on this time. So we'll see what happens. Can they be special? And, you know, with Michael Penix at the helm, I think they have the chance. At running back, Tyler Goodson for Iowa is a guy to watch. He's someone that, you know, again, 
it's hard to really gauge what running backs are going to get that draft attention because there's plenty of talented ones out there. But Goodson is one of the more patient runners, one of the better outside guys, works well inside, outside, has a nice frame, put up a lot of yards last year, going to be the focal point of this Hawkeyes offense, in my opinion. Keep an eye out for Tyler Goodson to really be what the Hawkeyes rely on when it comes to their chances of beating Indiana this weekend. And the third player to watch is linebacker Jack Campbell. Tremendous frame, one of the more well-rounded linebackers in college football, probably going to be one of the top five at least, top five linebackers drafted in this class. Jack Campbell really does it all for the Hawkeyes. You compare when he was there and when he was out, and it's light, it's night and day for the Hawkeyes defense. And, you know, Campbell's a big reason for that. Keep out, Keep an eye out for Jack Campbell. You know, going against a very talented Indiana backfield, going against a very talented Peyton Hendershot. Really a lot of tasks that he could really prove himself in in this week one opportunity. The next game we're going to talk about probably isn't going to be much in terms of competition. And I say that respectfully to Miami. I think they're going to be a good team this year. But Alabama's going to dominate. But the players to watch in this game, De'Ara King obviously has to be the guy that you look out for most. This is really his chance to prove that he is a legit player when it comes to this opportunity. And going against Alabama defense is no easy task. But if he comes out and puts together a great performance, whether Miami wins or not, that's huge for him. And, you know, right now a lot of people say he's too small, he's too old, and he has a terrible injury history. If he puts together a dominant performance against Alabama, you know, 300 yards plus, three touchdowns, and, you know, maybe keeps his game closer than a lot of people expect, Derek King is going to get draft attention. You know, he has the talent to be in that conversation. And a lot of those concerns get quieter the more he dominates in his play. So if Derek King can really come forward, put together a great performance for the Hurricanes, one that's great throughout the game, not just great whenever the game's out of hand or something, then – we could see King get a lot of attention from this game, and I think it's a great opportunity and why he is someone that you have to pay attention to. Now, one thing you know about the Miami Hurricanes is their great pass rush. You know, it just seems to be a consistent pattern. Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche. There's just so many guys all throughout, you know, this past five years, it seems, for the Hurricanes. So Evan Neal is going to have his work cut out for him. If you can just short, short, all Alabama or all Miami production in the pressure department on his side. It, even if you know maybe they don't have this top prospect this year, but you can just make it a non-factor, then that's absolutely huge. And Evan Neal can absolutely do that. And in a game like this, if he does that, I think he establishes himself as the top tackle in this class. You know, we talked about Daniel Falele. He had a great performance against Ohio State, but there's still some issues for him. Uh, just in pass protection refinement. Evan Neal is a tower of a man as well. Great frame, great size, great athleticism. If he can kind of show a more well-rounded product, then he's a safe bet to be a first-round pick and could even be you know, the first tackle off the board, first lineman off the board, and potentially a top five, top ten selection come drafting. Third player to watch, and I put down DJ Dale, but really – all the Alabama defensive linemen. There seems to be one every year that kind of rises up draft boards, puts it together, shows off that he's one of the best defense players in the country. And, you know, it seems like DJ Dale could be the one that does that this year. I think there's plenty of options. You got LeBron Ray. You got uh, 
Fedarian Mathis. You got uh, Justin Aboyby, I believe is how you pronounce it. You know, there's just so many options all throughout this defensive line. And seeing who really creates that pressure, who creates that chaos, could be huge for Alabama to contend for this year and also could be huge for, you know, potential risers in this class. And the final game, you know, probably something you've been hearing about for a long time. Clemson versus Georgia, a week one matchup that almost feels like a playoff game. Whoever wins this one could very easily be considered the top contender to win it all this season. Georgia has a tremendous running back group in James Cook, Zamir White, Kenny McIntosh, and more. Uh, you know, no George Pickens, no Darnell Washington, uh, no Eric Gilbert, so those are definitely blows to the offense. But JT Daniels is the guy to watch because he's this quarterback that, you know, I'll, I'll cut it as honest as I can. Last year, if he were to enter the draft, he probably wouldn't have gotten the same love that people are giving him with this offseason hype. He doesn't really have the arm talent or ability right now. But with a healed-up leg, with a full offseason, we could really see him kind of make that jump in terms of arm talent, in terms of arm strength, and you know maybe some of the other abilities kind of coupled with that really show his full-on talent, full-on potential, and JT Daniels takes that next step to be one of the top quarterbacks in this class. You know We saw him at USC where he was this great downfield passer, and he still has some very capable abilities. As a college quarterback, he is phenomenal. But as a prospect, you, know, you want to see him really make that next step. Clemson has a very talented secondary. And this is a great opportunity for JT Daniels to really kind of put his name out there as a top dog in this week one matchup. The next player to watch is Justin Ross, wide receiver out of Clemson. A guy that was talked about as a first rounder, had a terrible injury that almost looked like it would cut his career, able to get healthy, able to get back and cleared to play this year. Now, will he be a first rounder? Who knows? I think the first round talk was a little overhyped on Justin Ross, but I think he has plenty of talent a phenomenal college quarterback or college wide receiver and is going to be DJ Wigalele's probably safety blanket when it comes to this offense. If Justin Ross can continue to dominate, show some improvement, then we're talking about a great size receiver on the outside that a lot of teams are desperate to find. And, you know, for Clemson offense this year, they're going to be pass heavy. And I think Justin Ross could be the top option if, uh, if he gets going. I really like EJ Williams. He's an underclassman, so maybe not a player to watch from an NFL draft perspective right now. But next year, I really expect EJ Williams to be a 2023 first-round pick. The next guy to keep an eye on is Andrew Ruth Jr. Look, I agree with the hype for him. I think he is a first-round corner. But a lot of it is on a small sample size of play. Uh, You know, there's plenty that needs to be seen from him. So if he can make those strides, continue to prove his consistency, you know, be the full-time corner out there and really just continue his great play, then that's absolutely huge. And Georgia, yes, George Pickens is out, but there are still so many great pieces on this team that you can't underestimate their receiving ability. You know, Kiaris Jackson is someone that has gotten a lot of attention. You look at Jermaine Burton, one of the fastest guys in college football, probably going to be a top 50 pick in 2023 because of just how easily he takes the top off. So, For Andrew Booth, whoever he's lined up against, he is going to have to really shine as this corner because he's getting his full-time opportunity, and now that's where you really prove yourself as a corner because 
you need to see that consistency out of Corey. You need to have him dominant play to play. It's similar to alignment. You know, you may not notice they're good plays, but when they get destroyed, you, you start to notice and you say, okay, well now I can't rely on him. So can Andrew Booth prove to be reliable full game, full starting position? And, you know, that's absolutely huge. Also keep an eye on Darion Kendrick in this game. Transferred from Clemson to Georgia after getting kicked off the team. Really gets to go against his old team, and really there might be a huge chip on his shoulder to kind of establish his name in this class. Yeah, you always got to watch out for those chips on the shoulder when you could transfer and go ahead and go out against your old team. Uh, Michael, predictions for these games? For Iowa, Indiana, I think I got to go with – oh, that's tough. I'm going to go with Iowa. The way they ended the season was – phenomenal they were one of the best teams in the big 10 one of the best teams in the country i think they're going to continue that momentum into the season and we're going to see them pull out this game in what will be a low scoring but tight affair alabama versus miami i think alabama is going to wipe the floor with them you know i think miami is going to put up a solid fight early but then it's going to kind of go alabama's direction and that depth is really going to get proven the run game for Alabama really is kind of unknown, but I think that's where we kind of see a lot of clarity in who's going to be the top dog for the Crimson Tide this year, or if they're just going to keep a healthy rotation of all their backs. But if I had to give a prediction for that one, I'm going to say 48-21 Alabama. Rick's and got a comment on Miami. He says, Miami seems to be a little overhyped this year by the folks in Miami. I think they're uh, a bit removed now from the turnover chains day. They need to kind of build it up again. Yeah, I think they'll be a top 15, top 20 team this year, but I just think they aren't really a contender, and that's the that's Do you think the they're the, you think they're the third best right now between the I would say, yeah, I'll give it to them. I think, I think there's plenty of competitors for that, you know, argument. You know, obviously, I think Clemson, North Carolina are probably the top teams overall, but – then it kind of comes down to teams like Miami, teams like uh, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech. All of them have an option, and I think right now I'd go with Miami. Fair enough. I, I, I would tend to agree. Clemson, my, uh, Carolina, Miami would be the top three. And then for that last game, I'm going with Clemson. They're my prediction to win it all this year. I think the defense is just going to be phenomenal. Brian Brice is going to be a top 10 pick next year uh, in 2023. They just have so many pieces all throughout this defense, uh, and I think it's going to be huge for them. So I'm going with Clemson in this one. I'm going to say 38-28. to 28. Clemson takes the game, and Georgia then, you know, has that one loss and has to bounce back. Certainly would be the case. And that's why these conferences kind of schedule these big games in week one because you could always recover from a week one loss. You cannot recover from a week 10 or 11 loss most of the time. Absolutely. Uh, other, there's a lot of other games going on. Um, I'll just make a quick Rutgers point, which is that I think they have like the most freshmen um, on a roster in college football. So many freshmen. One of them is Todd Bowles Jr., which is Todd Bowles' uh, son, NFL coach. But listen, if, you, if you're a Patriots fan, you want to be locked in to Rutgers football the next three years because there's going to be a lot of guys here 
uh, in the secondary for Rutgers that'll be playing for New England in a few seasons. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe even right away, uh, Olakunle Fadakasi is a linebacker to keep an eye on for the Rutgers, uh, Scarlet Knights, Isaiah Pacheco, Avery Young, Christian Eisen. You know, there's there's guys on this roster that could potentially be fighting for roster spots in the NFL. And, you know, whether that's as a day three pick, as an undrafted free agent, there's still some talent on this Rutgers roster that, you know, don't sleep on the Scarlet Knights this year. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Marcus can be in, in the middle of the pack somewhere this year, like years past. Uh, sticking to the Big Ten, though, Michigan's playing Michigan, uh, Western Michigan tomorrow. What are your expectations for Michigan this season? I think they're probably a, a two-loss team. I think that, you know, the big question mark is going to come down to how do they handle their business of being a talented team that really just lacks the – Next step, and you know, JJ McCarthy obviously has all this hype. I, I believe Alan Bowman's going to be starting. I, I don't know if they've announced yet who will be the starting QB for Michigan this year, but I think there's plenty of opportunity for both teams to really get going in this game. Western Michigan has some studs on their team. Caleb Ellaby is a QB that is one of the best in the G5 rank or region. So, you know, keep an eye out for him to potentially make some noise in this game. And Western Michigan. Upsetting Michigan would, would be huge for college football headlines, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, that's for sure. All right, give me something to watch for Northwestern State Demons taking on your North Texas Mean Green. Yeah, so for me, I believe that North Texas has some interesting situations this year. A Nani was the QB last year, and I think that the big thing is trying to figure out what they're going to do in the passing game this year. Aiden Ani was kind of inconsistent. They brought in some transfers. Jace Rudder came from North Carolina. Is he going to get some snaps? There's some young pieces on this offense that I think could really help them take that next step, but they need to find it. And I think, uh, you know, whether that's Rudder, whether, whether that's Ani, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure for one of them to really step up and help take this offense back to what has kind of, been shaky lately all right good analysis there from an alumni uh all right big game this tomorrow night that is intriguing uh ucla want to know hosting lsu uh we're both high in ucla this year lsu we're expecting a rebound season from who do you give the advantage to in this one and what players should we keep an eye on yeah, this is going to be an extremely interesting game because UCLA has the one-game jitters out of the way, and I think that's huge for them. And, you know, like like you already said, we both are kind of high on the Bruins this season. So what's going to happen with the run game, I think, is the big question mark. Are they going to continue to dominate, or is that a Hawaii issue? Is Dorian Thompson-Robinson going to get things going as a passer? He definitely does not have an easy opportunity going against Derek Stingley, going against Eli Ricks. It's going to be tough. But LSU obviously kind of dropped the ball last year coming off the championship season. They are desperate to get back into contention. Both teams, I think, have plenty of potential, but there's still a lot of unknown, and that's going to really be what it comes down to, which team is going to capitalize most on their true production rather than just potential. Yep. Now, Mike Leach's Mississippi State team is playing Louisiana Tech. 
Do they put up over 50 points right out of the gate here? Are you saying Mississippi State directly or both teams? Just Mississippi State. I'm going to say no. I think I think it'll be probably like a 42-31, 42-27 type game. But uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Jack Abram uh, coming from Southern Miss to Mississippi State. Seems to kind of be – a not like a bad fit because we've seen smaller arm QBs work in the system pretty well, but he's not the downfield, you know, just let it rip type QB that we've kind of seen for other guys. So it'll be interesting to see that fit and see what happens for the Mississippi State team this year. All right, two more games I want to talk about, and then we'll get out of here for the weekend, Labor Day weekend. Uh, so everybody enjoy the holiday. Not sure if we want to show Monday, Michael, let the public know. Um, but BYU, Arizona, what can we expect from BYU, especially now that their best player in a long time, Zach Wilson, is with the Jets? Yeah, so the big question mark is what's going to happen at QB because Zach Wilson's gone. But they still have Tyler Algier. They still have some very talented wide receivers. I think that you're going to see a little bit of what happens for some of these teams where – yeah, maybe they aren't the same, but I think there's still going to be a lot of momentum in that building, and we're going to see a strong team, and I think BYU is going to be able to go in and face Arizona and really take away the victory. And uh, also I want to talk about tonight's game, North Carolina versus Virginia Tech. Absolutely huge for Sam Howell to kind of get going in a game where you know he doesn't have a lot of his weapons from last year, so we could very easily see a, right. uh, a difficult task for him, especially a Virginia Tech team that makes it very difficult. Louisiana versus Texas, great top 25 matchup. Both teams ranked, and I, I expect Texas to win that one, but Hudson Card going to begin the start there. Casey Thompson losing the job. It's going to be interesting to see what happens for the young QB. Really a lot of hype coming from him or coming for him from Texas camp and from a lot of reporters surrounding the situation. So what's he going to do in his first start? You know, Is he going to have some struggles and we'll see Casey Thompson in this game, like Sarkeesian said, or are we going to see some uh, – some dominance out of a young QB in his, in his debut. And then uh, also Wisconsin, Penn State, two programs that have tremendous upside, but also looking to bounce back a little bit after maybe a little bit disappointing last year. So both right. teams definitely looking to compend, uh, contend for the Big Ten West. Now, there's no, no NFL this week, so they get to do some college football on Sunday. Sunday night football, Notre Dame, Florida State. What do you think, Michael? Notre Dame going to – Go undefeated again this year. It's, it's not going to be easy, but um, you know they're not in the ACC anymore, so they have to go undefeated in order to make the college football playoffs. They can't have that one loss versus Clemson in the championship game. Yeah, they're going to have a tough schedule. Games like Wisconsin, Cincinnati, USC, North Carolina, even teams like Purdue. I think there's definitely a little bit of slippage on the schedule to where we could see them blow some games. I'm not taking Notre Dame to be undefeated, but I do think that there is plenty of talent on this roster to where they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl and really could be one of the better teams in the country. All right. And then the last thing I want to ask you, Michael, is you know, you are a psycho football, college football fan. Um, Hawaii is hosting Portland at a 12 a.m. Eastern kickoff. Are you going to be up late watching that just to calm yourself down after a crazy day of college football? I, I might have it on. We'll see. Uh, 
probably not gonna have my eyes drilled to it, but still midnight football, gotta love it. So at the very least, I'll probably have it on while I'm doing something else. All right. Well, that was a great show and it was great for us to, you know, look look through the whole weekend here. And uh there's gonna be a lot more of this coming up. We got this every week. Michael's gonna give you his his players to watch, the games to watch for college football and Start next week, we'll start talking about some of the professional games as well in the NFL. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. And, uh, yeah, we just want to thank everyone for tuning in here. As Nick said, we're not going to have a Monday show, so we'll see you guys on Friday next week. We'll talk so real to quick, you Michael, give us your, your uh, Buccaneers-Cowboys prediction. I'm going to take the Bucks in that one. I, I think the Cowboys are going to come out firing, and I think there's going to be some offensive fireworks for both teams. But – uh I'm going to go 31 to 24. Bucks take it. Close game. I'll go 31 13. Buccaneers win. That's all we got for you today. Thank you so much to everyone in the comment section and everyone for tuning in. Thank you to CrystalLandryFootball.com for the opportunity to stream on his Twitch channel and platform. If you are looking for anything football related, LandryFootball.com is your one stop destination for all things considered. Thanks, and have a great weekend and great week. We'll see you next Friday. Take care. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.